Good morning, Tawilla. How's everybody doing today? You guys are doing amazing. You guys are here, and the Holy Spirit indwells you. Man, that's something to celebrate. Yesterday, Chris got some tickets for uh, the tournament. We went to the game, and, and, and the stadium was rocking, and, and, and they were screaming for a basketball team. Man, you should be in here right now. Let's go, Jesus. Here we go. should be feeling like that. That's something to get fired up about, something to be excited about. God, right? God, right? God, right? We're talking about God, right? All right, cool. So anyway... Uh, those of you that don't know me, I, I'm Pastor Chris's big brother. I, I, this church is a, a second uh, home to me, away from uh, Hosanna City Church, is where I am at in Palm Springs. Uh, I've been here since the very beginning at Tuila. I brought Chris here, and, and we unloaded his house, or, or loaded his house, and uh, we looked at this building before it was a church. We looked at this half of it, actually, and it was pink and crazy looking. <laughs> it had a big raised floors. It was crazy. We prayed over it, and then there was a, a, a beautician shop on the other side, on this, the back part of the church. And they were in there at the time, and a month later they moved, and Chris got that side first. And then Chris called me maybe uh, after the first week. We, we donated those chairs you guys are sitting in. Our church brought them up, and, and Chris called me after the first week and said, You got any more chairs? We need more chairs. We need more chairs. He said, we're going to tear this wall down, and, and we're going to step out of faith and, and just have the whole thing. So I came up, and we tore the walls down. I was an electrician before I was a pastor, did all the electrical in here. My big brother built some of this stuff. There's seven of us, by the way. Chris has seven brothers. I don't know if he talks about us or not. I know he talks about how hyper I am. He, he told me about that. Uh, and I really am, so it's, it's a good thing that he said. So anyway, I, I, I've been part of Tooele since the very beginning, and I love you guys. So, my name is Darren. Everybody calls me D. Uh, and you guys could call me D. This morning we're going to be in uh, Colossians 3. And the name, of the, the name of the message this morning is not what you wear, uh, yet who you wear. And listen to me. I want you guys to think about that as the message is going on this morning. Who am I wearing? Not what am I wearing, but who am I wearing? Who am I wearing? Who am I wearing? The world says that, uh, that the clothes a man wears makes a man. And in, in some ways it's, it's true. For instance, uh, what's the most easy way to recognize somebody? By what they're wearing, right? You, you know, you could see a, a, a police officer from uh, 20 miles away and know he's a police officer because of what he's wearing, right? You know, a fireman because of what he's wearing, right? You know, you know, a gangster, a biker, you know, almost anybody is automatically identified by what they're wearing. Almost anybody. Not everybody, but almost anybody. Uh, if, if, if you took a look at that guy, you know he's a police officer right away, right? The other thing that happens with, uh, with the clothing that we are wearing is that it, it not only identifies who we are, but also it identifies in your heart whether you could trust them or not. You know, most police officers you see, you say automatically, I could trust that guy, right? Most bikers you see, you say automatically, I can't trust that guy, you know. But, but the clothing that tells us it's the most important for us to be wearing is Jesus. The things that we are to put on is Jesus. So so in, 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 the, in the red carpet world, and they don't ask no more, what are you wearing? The question is, who are you wearing? That's the new question. Who are you wearing? In the Old Testament, the high priest, his clothes were designed by God. So he was wearing Yahweh. And us today in the New Testament, we're to be wearing Jesus. How do I know? Uh, Romans 13, 14. Can I have that one up there? I really would like it. I'm just saying. 
It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So I know that we're supposed to because God's word says that we are supposed to. So here in Colossians 3, Paul tells us uh, you can recognize a true follower by who they are wearing. And, And what this means isn't that you could tell a Christian by his clothing. You can't. You can't tell a Christian because he's got a a sweater vest on or he's got a tie or he's dressed the right way or he looks the right way. What what, what Paul's referring to is what you're wearing on your heart, who you're wearing on your heart. Is Jesus who you're wearing on your heart? Listen, uh, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in, in, in John 13, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Is it possible? For us to love one another the way Jesus loves us? It absolutely is, but it's absolutely not impossible. I mean, it's absolutely impossible unless you put on Jesus. It's absolutely impossible in the flesh to love other people. It's impossible, but not if you're walking in the Spirit. That's what makes it possible. That's what makes it possible for us to be known as people that love other people. It's, it's so important. I, I know that the Holy Spirit is going to speak volumes this morning through that, but it's so important. It goes on to say uh, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What else uh, love is for, for every last Christian? It's a measuring tool for your spiritual maturity. You hear what I just said? God says it twice. He says that uh, the bond of perfection is love. Our love is the bond of perfection. And what he's not talking about is sinless perfection. That's not what he's speaking about. What he's speaking about is spiritual maturity. Sinless perfection happens, you know when? The second you quit breathing. That's when that happens for you. Yeah, until then, that's not going to happen. Yeah, so it's a way to measure. If you if you have a different heart towards a people then you know that you're coming into some spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity isn't something that you achieve and then you've arrived. It's seasonal too, and it depends on what kind of season you're in. If you're in a season of obedience, spiritual maturity rolls that way. So Paul goes on to tell us what this clothing that we're supposed to be wearing is. It's love, tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. These are the things that Jesus is wearing, and Jesus is our trendsetter. Amen? Okay, listen, you guys. Uh, I'm super hyper, so you guys got to get a little more lively today. I know Chris is not here, but you guys got to get a little more lively. Either that or I'm going to go to sleep. I don't care. One of the two, man. I'll take a nap up here if not. All right, so anyway, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, and we need to be imitators of Jesus. You know, every problem in your life can be easily solved by putting Jesus on and, and loving Jesus more. Do you hear what I just said? I could get up here this morning and give a two-minute message, and every Sunday morning I could say the same thing for two minutes and leave. And what I could say is this, that your life would change if you loved Jesus more. The trick to being a Christian isn't being perfect. It's loving God. And this thing's going to drive me crazy. This Britney Spears mic. What, Shane? I don't know what to do with it, my brother. All right, cool. So listen, so we need to ask ourselves this morning, how did Jesus live and what was Jesus clothed in? Jesus was first and foremost clothed in love, right? He was clothed in sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice that the planet's ever known. You know, when I was first a Christian, the the thing about Jesus' blood used to weird me out. But you know, it's the most powerful, the most potent, the most perfect commodity that's ever touched the planet. It's the only thing that has the ability to break the chains of death and sin. Yeah, it's beautiful. Everything about Jesus is beautiful. And you guys should be excited this morning 
about our God? Uh, how, how recognizable are we this morning? How, how recognizable are we in our Jesus suit? Does everybody know us as, as men and women who love the brethren? Are we known as men and women of grace and of mercy? Are these the things that identify us? If not, this morning God's going to help us. Every last one of us, me included. The Holy Spirit has a message to get you guys fired up. Man, I need to see you guys fired up, man. Oh, I'm hyper. Okay, let's pray this message in this morning. Uh, Father, we just come before you this morning, and we just ask that you would, the Holy Spirit, just uh, ignite a bomb here today, God, that you would just do something miraculous, God, that we would leave this building, not the same people who came into this building this morning, God. I ask that you would just start to put a fire in each heart, each mind, that you would just start to open their spiritual eyes, God, that you would allow them to hunger, that you would allow me, God, to desire and need and want you more, God. I ask that you would allow us all to recognize the things in life that uh, have no eternal weight, God, the things that are straw, hay, and stubble, God. I ask that you would allow those to just get away from us, just move away from our hearts and minds, God, and that you would replace that Holy Spirit with empowering from you. So I ask this morning, God, that you would speak directly to each heart. I ask that each heart here would ask this morning for something specific to receive, God. Your, your word is, is clear, God, that we need to be more than just hearers but doers. We need to receive, not just hear the word. So I ask that this word does not just fall on deaf ears, God, but it falls on soft hearts, God. Hearts that want to receive, hearts that want to be obedient, hearts that want to be in unity first and foremost with you and then with their brothers and sisters, God. We just give you this time, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come here and just speak a powerful word to our hearts and minds today, God. Change us, God. Uh, rearrange all the things that we need rearranged. Teach us this morning, God. Teach us. So I give you today, Father. I thank you for today, Father. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Now, if you guys do not get some kind of fired up here, we're going to have a problem. I'll come down and wrestle you guys. If I take this jacket off because I'm getting hot, that happens. All right, cool. All right, so uh, everybody turn to Colossians 3 if you're not already there. And let me have an amen when you get there. Amen. Oh, that was easy and nice. Thank you, guys. All right, so there's, there's, two, there's two big ideas in Colossians 3. And the big ideas are sanctified and sanctification. You guys say that with me. Sanctified and sanctification. Let's try it one more time. Sanctified and sanctification. Do you guys know what that means? Is everybody familiar with those two terms? Listen, every born-again Christian, every two, true born-again believer is both of these things for the rest of their lives. You hear what I just said? They're both of these things for the rest of their life. Sanctified is positionally your position in Christ, meaning you are identified with Christ. That means that when God looks at you, he doesn't see the jacked-up person you are. He sees Jesus. Yeah, that goes for me, too. I'm not just making fun of you guys. I'm saying everybody. Yeah, so, so positionally. And the other, the other thing is the process of becoming holy, sanctification. Let's have that first Bible verse. And Shane, you're going to have to help me fix this, huh? Do something with this thing before it drives me nuts. Oh, yeah, it's making me crazy. Oh, that's perfect. Feels much better already. Thank you. Everybody give Shane a hand. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. 
Chris gave me the mic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Next slide. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is what this looks like. This is how sanctified looks. This is your old self and your death and all the things that you were heading towards, all your sin. And this is the perfection of Jesus. And what God is saying is that he took you and stuck him on Jesus and took Jesus and stuck him on you. That's the swap that happened in the process of being sanctified. We're identified in Christ. Man, that is a, one amazing thought, right? The God of the universe identifies us in him. And sanctification is the process that you go through each day. It's a process of becoming a little bit more like Christ every day. And, and, and like I said, that's a process of maturity, right? And sometimes we're more mature than at other times. You know, there was a time when I was a young pastor and I thought I was the most mature Christian on the planet. And then three years later, I recognized that I was immature as could be. And now, yeah, so it's, it's a process. Amen? Amen. All right, so anyway, let's, let's take a look at the first verse. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. If then. If then is a, is a could be, right? A maybe. It says, If then you were raised with Christ. If you were raised with Christ, or if you were not raised with Christ, what it's identifying is being born again. Now listen to me. I, I'm not going to talk for two hours like Chris, I promise. So if you just give me a few minutes of your time, we're going to let the Holy Spirit powerfully hopefully speak to you guys' hearts this morning so it says if and what that means is if you don't know if you're not a hundred percent a thousand percent if you're not sure that you're sure that you're sure here's what you need to do what will happen right now is what will start to happen is the holy spirit will start to stir and prick your heart and if that's happening be obedient to that don't don't dismiss that don't push that away don't allow you to don't allow your heart to become hardened but, but be obedient to that. And I'm not asking you to come forward in none of that. What I'm saying is that after service, if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now, if you know that he's speaking to you, come speak to me privately after service. And I want to pray with you and for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the word really is better interpreted since. Since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Uh, the word seek, the word seek is a, the word seek is an action word. And listen to me, everything in the New Testament has the connotation of action. The connotation means a a separate meaning for a word or a deeper meaning for a word. So everything that God speaks about means it has a connotation of action. It has a connotation of doing something. Doing something. Faith. Faith isn't just sitting and believing something. It's doing something, right? You know, if you, if you look at your gas gauge and it says empty and you have faith that it's correct, you don't just say, I know that's true, and just run out of gas, right? <laughs> well, you don't. You pull in a gas station, right? Put some gas in your car. Well, everything in the New Testament has that same connotation. So seeking is the action part of what we're to be doing in our walks. And then it says, uh, uh, seek, uh, seek those things which are above. Love. And then the very next line starts to lay out what the very first thing we're to seek is. It says, seek those things which are above where Christ is see- seating at the right hand of God. So the very first thing he tells us to seek wholeheartedly is God, right? Right? This should, this should be uh, easy for us 
Of course it's not, but it should be. It should be easy to recognize and love and want to be everything that the God that created everything wants us to be. But anyway, watch them call it. So the first thing we're to seek is the kingdom of God. And seeking is an action. And then in verse 2, he goes on and says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. And to set your mind on things above. Philippians 4, 8 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He's even talking deeper than that. He's saying, actually, put your mind on how heaven's going to be. You know how heaven's going to be? It's going to be without any of us. Not, 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 we're going to be there, but not any of us in our form now. The jacked up people that we are. There's not going to be no lying. There's not going to be no stealing, no manipulation. There's not going to be any of that. He's saying, put your mind on that. Yeah, shoot for that. Think about that. You could do that here. It, it's, it's not impossible. Nothing that God's word says is impossible. I know it seems hard, but it becomes easy. Or easier, it's a process. And the more that you turn your heart to God and just start to say yes to the things that God's word says and the things that you know the Spirit's moving you towards, the easier all these things 